0: Hey, if you're taking notes, and I hope you are, because note takers are what? History makers. History makers. And um, so I want you to title it this Make Room. Make Room. Um, kind of fitting, right? <laughs> what we just talked about. Make Room. Uh, this is one of my favorite stories in the entire Bible. Um, I just believe that God has all that we need. Right. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. I think God is all that we need. I think there's nothing else in this world that, that we could need that is outside of God. I've tried a lot of those things. You've tried a lot of those things. And There's only one eternal God, only one eternal relationship that gives us all that we need. Sometimes we're in seasons of life, and maybe some people are in the room today and you're in a season of life like this right now, to where you just need just enough from God to get through. You ever felt like that? Like, God, just, I don't know. I, like, I legitimately don't know how to get through this season. Like, it's that hard of a season for me. It's that confusing. The anxiety is up. The stress is up. You know, the depression is up. Whatever it is, right? That you're fighting. And those are real fights and real things. Life really happens. And sometimes you're like, God, if you can help me get through this season, right? And so sometimes we need just enough from God to get us through a season. But how many of you know that if we live in that season, then we're just in a survival mode? You shouldn't always be in a season like that. In fact, I would say this. If you're always in a season to where it's always rough and you need just enough, you may be addicted to those seasons. Like, you're just addicted to always just drama. There's always problems. Y'all thinking of somebody else because it ain't you, clearly, right? It's never you. And like, you know, you need just enough. But I, I, I believe that there are also seasons where we go, you know what, God, I'm going to push for more. There's there's more of you and there's more in you and there's more from you and there's more in me and there's more purpose and there's more plan and there's more ability and there's more reach and there's more impact. And God, I want more. I want all that you have, not just some of what you have, not just enough of what you have. I want all of what you have for me, God. And in those seasons, we push and we, we go and we're kind of in a good season and we're going, let, let me just get more and more and more. Because here's what, I know if John three sixteen that says that God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life that is the only verse that I remembered in the King James version by the way I don't know why I say it every time in King James but you know if John three sixteen he gave his life to give me life is true then Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 has to be true and that means, that is that the God that is exceedingly abundantly beyond all that I could think or imagine. And he wants to do those things in my life. If John 3.16 is true, Ephesians 3.20 has to be true. Yeah, come on. Okay. And John 3.30 has to be two, yeah. th- true. And the reality is, is, we can't pick and choose and go, that one's good, but that one's not. There is more of God than I think we realize. Yeah. There is more in God than I think we realize. And, and, and for some of us, we just need to make some room. Now, it's holiday season. How many of you enjoy the holidays? Anybody with me? My favorite holiday is coming up. I know y'all are like, it's got to be Christmas. You're a preacher. My favorite holiday is not Christmas. Oh, Thanksgiving, praise God. You know why? I love me some Thanksgiving. You know why I love Thanksgiving? It's it's nothing more than the food, y'all. All grandma's casseroles come out. You know what I'm saying? All mama's food comes out. You know, you got, the, you got the baked turkey, the roasted turkey, the fried turkey, the turducken, right? The raw turkey. You got what? I don't know. Y'all just make up stuff at this point, right? You're like, we're going to wrap it in funnel cake batter and just fry it, you know? <laughs> and, and, and I love it. Like all the casseroles come out, all the food, all the mac and cheese. Like y'all find new ways to make mac and cheese every year. I love it. I'm not a mac and cheese guy. And if at Thanksgiving, I'm like, give it all to me. I want it all. Like Carb City, baby, you know. I love it. I love it. Problem is, um, problem is, I've got a sweet tooth. Anybody with me with a sweet tooth? Anybody, anybody? I got a sweet tooth, y'all. I, I, like, I try to eat right. I try. I do try. And then my, 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 my mouth is like, yeah, but I need sugar. And I'm like, yes, you do. Yes, you do. And the problem with this time of year is the Little Debbie Christmas tree cakes are out, y'all. Like, I know we celebrate that, but I'm like, "No, that's from Satan. Yeah. I had one last night and I had to repent, right? I enjoyed it too much. You know what I'm saying? And the, Have y'all tried the soft gingerbread cookies that are out there? No. Praise God. I have a sweet tooth. I have a sweet tooth. so like I eat all the good food because I need the good food to survive. Y'all know what I really want know. I really want that that dessert table. And you know, every good family gathering on Thanksgiving got a table set aside just for the sweets, you know. All the stuff. And one of my favorite desserts, y'all know what this is, right? Y'all tell me what this is. I just want to see who said it the right way. And so I'm gonna start a fight this morning. We're gonna make some enemies. You ready? Who says pecan pie? Anybody in the room? All right, who says pecan pie? All right, y'all know who you need to pray for in this room, all right? (laughs) Is it can of corn or con of corn? <laughs> Point given. All right, anyway, pecan pie right here. And uh, I'm just kidding, some of y'all got really way too offended by that. Um, I love pecan pie, I really do. And don't put ice cream on it. Don't put ice cream on it. I don't want ice cream on it. I just want all the pecans. And I don't even know what the ooey goodness is on the inside. Uh, it could be angel snot for all I know, but it is, it is good. I, I really do. I really do love pecan pie. And man, have you ever noticed like when when you get a good pie, a fresh pie, y'all like, where the other pieces go? Don't worry about that. Y'all don't ask. And like, when you cut that pie, man, it is like a Febreze aroma. Because you know, when you spray Febreze, you smell it six miles down the road. When you cut that first piece of pecan pie, you know, Elizabeth, Elizabeth. You're gonna get your first piece of pecan pie in this in this service. Elizabeth works with our engage and does so good. She's gonna check. come on. Homemade. I mean it, it was in my home for a while. And and like I love cutting because man, you can't cut a bad piece of pecan pie. The only time you can cut a bad piece of pecan pie is when part of the filling or the topping falls off of it while you're cutting it. Y'all know what I'm saying? And again. The warm piece, Hopi, you giving birth? You, you giving birth this week? Enjoyed baby wants some pecan pie. <laughs> <You know>? um, <laughs> um, I really do love some. Pe- I remember uh, as a kid, my grandma used to make something. Um, my one of my one of my grandmas used to make something called dump cake. Y'all ever heard of dump cake? Anybody know what dump cake is? I got scared one time and I was like, Grandma, what's dump cake? And she paused and I was like, Oh Lord. And she said, it's, you're dumping all this stuff into, into a cake, and it's, you know, got cake stuff. She tried to teach me how to make it, and I was like, I just want to eat it. I don't want to make it. And, um, and I, I remember eating it, and I was like, Grandma, this is good. I want some more. But I had a bunch on my plate, and my granddad looks at me, and he goes, well, if you want more, eat what's on your plate. Make more room. And uh, the only bad part of Thanksgiving is there's the, the plates. You know what I'm saying? They run out real quick. And you're like, well, get another plate. But I don't want to be the guy with two plates sitting in front of me. So in order to make room, what do I have to do? I got to eat what's on the plate, right? And here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Spiritually, I feel like there's a lot of us that are praying for more. But we can't even handle what's on our plate right now. Wow. Come on. And like, we're like, hey, God, bless me. And God's like, I'd love to. Uh, but what you got right now is about to bury you. Hey, God, I need more. And God's like, I agree. I'd love to give you more, but until you can handle what you got. And then you're like, well, I'll just get one more plate. And then God's going, you can't handle the plate that's in your hand. Wow. Like you're about to break that plate. Yeah. You're, going, you're going lunatic on three people this week. <laughs> and, and, and I ain't got time. I don't have time. I hate that phrase. I don't have time. We got the same 24 hours in a day as everybody else. I haven't made time. That's the correct way to say it. Yeah. And, and, and there's all these things, and, 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 and here's what I want you to know, right? Here's what I want you to know, that sometimes it's, it's not like that God doesn't want to give more. It's that if he gave more, it would bury us. And God is not interested in hurting us. God is only interested in helping us. And so if it would bury us, I do believe that God will co- quit pouring the blessing sometimes until we can learn to create enough margin to make more room for what he actually wants to do in our lives. And here's the reality. At Radiate Church, man, there's some amazing things happening at this church right now, incredible things. Every week, somebody's given their life to the Lord. Y'all, just a few weeks ago, or two weeks ago, there was, I was sitting there about to preach at another church in Georgia. They had just finished having a meeting somewhere for the church. And two people in the meeting gave their lives to Jesus in the middle of the meeting that is not normal come on y'all need to celebrate salvation more than you do football and like i wish i had a little little organ behind me right now today i could i could go with that today but the reality is is like we got people giving their lives to jesus and you got marriages being restored and god illuminating things on the inside of people so that we can get better and opening up and and all this stuff and it's great but watch this watch this watch this i will get stuck in what i have unless i make more for what he has I gotta make room for more of what he has. I gotta make more room. I gotta make more opportunity. I gotta create more margin. And there's a great story in 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. I want to read it with you. Um, where there's a woman in, in debt and in trouble. Her husband's passed away. That matters because women in that day had no value or, 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 or monetary value outside of the husband. And so he's passed away. And, um, and God does something miraculous. Miraculous in her life whenever she makes room for God to move. Watch this. Let's read verses 1 through 7 of Second Kings chapter 4. It says this. It says, Now a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, who was a prophet, and said, your servant, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor has come to take my two children to be a slave. So in other words, she was in debt. She couldn't pay the debt. So the creditors are like, I'm going to come get your kids. They'll be my slaves, and now you'll never see them again, and that is the payment for your debt. What a terrifying, terrifying thought, right? Let's keep going. Verse 2, Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. And then he said, go, borrow vessels at large for yourself from all your neighbors, even empty vessels. Do not get a few. And you shall go in and shut the door behind you and your sons and pour out into all these vessels and you shall set aside what is full. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons and they were bringing the vessels to her and she poured. And when the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not one vessel more and the oil stopped. That's incredibly important to remember. In verse 7, then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay your debt, and you and your sons can live on. The rest. I love the miracle that happens here, and I can never talk about faith without talking about this portion of scripture. This portion of scripture has probably impacted me as much as any other portion of scripture in the Bible, and the way I live my life, the way that we operate as a church. And there's four quick observations. I'm going to go fast today, so you're going to write these down. Uh, four quick observations from this about faith. Number one, in verse one, she call, cries out to a prophet. She cries out to Elisha who she had relationship with. Here's number one, relationships matter. Relationships matter. You gotta know that. I gotta know that. We gotta realize that. And if we're not careful, we'll see that and we'll go, yeah, that's a middle school tribe and a high school tribe thought. No, and and the the older I get, the more that I do what I do, the more I grow with God, I've gotta understand my relationships with others matter. Here's what I know, here's what I know. Sometimes when God wants to bless you, he brings a person into your life. But sometimes when the enemy wants to distract you, he brings a person into your life. And if I'm not close enough and I can't discern relationships and I can't figure out what life-giving, God-honoring relationships, friendships, life groups, all that stuff, if I can't figure out what that looks like, I will embrace a distraction and I will push away a blessing because I'm embracing the wrong relationships. Relationships 1000%, not a relationship, should be life-giving. That's why we do things like life groups and teams and stuff like that around here, because we want to foster relationships that make us better, that grow us spiritually, that grow us individually, and get us to a place to where we can get better than we are and grow closer to God right now. And in relation, like relationships will expose us to new ideas and new themes and new revelations and new new concepts with God and new ideas in life. Life and what God wanted to do for this woman, this widow in 2 Kings 4, came through a relationship. Let me ask you a question. What if you were the breakthrough for somebody in your life? That's good. But because I won't lean into a relationship, I can't be that for somebody. Or what if somebody in your life is the breakthrough for you, but I'm not willing to make room for God to move in that relationship? Or I'm not willing to go, hey, that's not a life-giving relationship and I'm giving way too much of my time, my energy, my effort to that relationship. I'm going to back away a little bit. Why do we hang on to, to leeches? Why do we hang on to relationships that just suck the life out of us? and Make us, like we walk away. Y- y'all been, y'all, why are y'all quiet on me today? You've been in those conversations where you walk away and you're like, God, I got nothing left. Good grief. Like this thing, whew, and you're exhausted and you're frustrated. And then you've walked away from relationships where you're like, man, that was like a breath of fresh air. I feel better now than I did when I started talking to them. And I felt pretty good then. And the difference is, is the type of relationship that they are. What if what God wants to do in the relationships isn't just through that them, but through you? What, what if, what if, what if what God wants to do in your coworkers, he wants to use you to do it? What what if what God wants to do in the 803 and in the 843 in Florence or wherever you're from, what if what he wants to do in that area code is from you, from us? What if what God wants to do in my marriage is not through my spouse, but it's through me? What if what God wants to do in my kids is not through uh, tribe student ministries being the only person that's a good impact? What if it's through me too? Oh, come on, y'all got real quiet because this, this, this is putting a challenge on me. And see, I think all those extra things are great, but I'm just telling you, if they go home and it's the same thing, what changes? What's different? What if what God wants to do in their life is through me and my spouse, me and my, myself, me and what I am? And here's the, real, here's the reality. If I'm the smartest person at the table in my relationships, I'm sitting at the wrong table. I should sit in relationships that challenge me, that disagree with me. And we live in a world today to where we have devalued disagreement. I think disagreement is highly valuable. In fact, if I don't disagree with somebody about once or twice a day, I feel like I'm not even living. Because the truth is, I don't have to agree with you. You can look at me and go, there's another way of doing this. And I can agree with it and still not do it any different. Because it doesn't mean that you are right and I am wrong or I am right and you are wrong. Sometimes there's more than one way to get to four. Two plus two is four. Three plus one is four. Five minus one is four. There's a million different ways to get to four. And the reality is, is we devalued disagreement. And so now we cannot be in relationship with somebody that challenges us and disagrees with us. And if we can't do that, can I tell you something? You will never grow. You will never get past the level of faith, the level of belief, and the level of life that you're currently at until we learn to go, I can disagree with you and still love you. Because if nobody can correct you and nobody can challenge you, if you don't want to get better and you want to just be enabled to continue doing what you are in life, can I tell you the other person is not the problem. And that's the hard part of relationships mattering is sometimes it's on me. Let me give you this last thought because i got to keep going. I could, I, could, I could go for a while today. You can't bleed everywhere with everyone. Life hurts. But some of us are bleeding with the wrong people and on the wrong people. And we're giving all of our life to them. And watch this. There are people out there that only want your business so that they can hold it against you. Let me be real honest. There's people in this room. The only reason you want their business is so you can hold it against them. We mask it with, let me pray for you. But then we go tell four other people before we ever pray about it. Come on, preach it. And and, and, and how do I know that's in this room? I think we have the greatest church in the world. But I'm telling because we're all human. Yeah, yeah. That's why. And we all fall short of the glory of God. That's why. But the reality is, is I don't, we can't bleed with everybody. I need a life group that I can bleed with. I need people that I trust that I can bleed with that see my guts sometimes and go, this is where I'm at and I'm really struggling today. I'm really hurting today. Because if I do that to the wrong people, they will use it in a bad way, not in a good way. Are you with me? And it hurts more than it helps. Relationships matter. Verse two gives us another thought. Verse two, she goes, she's talking to Elisha. Elisha goes, hey, what's in your house? What's in your house? That's a question some of us need to ask ourselves on a consistent basis. Because I believe that everything God wants to do in your life and through your life is already in you. You already have enough in you that God can use and expand to make an impact in the world with your friends, with life, with your coworkers, wherever you are. He asked her, he said, what's in your house? She said, oh, I just got this little jar of oil. And then we see the rest of the story where he uses that little jar of oil to do a miracle. And this is what God's taught me throughout life. God uses what seems insignificant. God uses what seems insignificant. Well, I'm just a I'm just a little old boy from Elgin, South Carolina, you know, deep country accent, crazy. I'm the only kid that my Sunday school teacher had to kick out of Sunday school class multiple times. That's a true story right there. I just enjoy having fun and joking around. I failed out of Old Testament history. Like, you know, like I just, I'm just me. I ain't got much, Lord. I just, you know, little old me. But when we put what we don't think is much in the hands of the creator, it becomes more than enough. Yes, that's good. Come on. And we have to be willing to let go of everything that we have. We have to be willing to let go of everything that's in our hand and go, whatever's in my house is yours, God. Because it's from you anyway. It's... For you anyway. You placed it there. I didn't place it there. And so I'm going to put it in your hands. What seems insignificant, the very thing that we deem insignificant, is the very thing that God wants to use. She goes, The only thing I have left, Elisha, is this small little jar of oil. There's not much in it. I've already used half of it. It's not any good anymore. This is all I got. I just wanted to remember just a little bit of my life. And I was going to use this jar. And he's like, Great. God can use what you don't think is much. God can use. That to do it. I only have a little bit of money, a little bit of finances, and God's going, If you'll just trust me with it. I'm reminded of the woman uh, that gave the might, the little bit that she, the only thing she had left, and God goes, That woman is blessed far more than anybody else because she gave all that she had. I only got a little bit of pain and a little bit of experience. I haven't done much. I can't reach many people, and God's going, I want to use your pain. I'll never waste pain. I'll never waste a circumstance. I'll never waste a moment. In in your life. I only got a little bit of a little bit of talent, God. I, I only got a little bit of knowledge. Like I'm not that knowledgeable. I can't lead a life group. I can't pray over somebody. I, I've only been through a little bit. And God's going, just give me that little bit and watch what I can do with it. Yeah. Give me that insignificant, watch what I can do with it. God, I didn't I didn't grow up in church. I just gave my life to you like three weeks ago. And I don't know, yeah, but give me that and watch what I can do with it. Because God takes a little in our hands and makes it much in His. God takes a little bit in our hands and he makes it much in his. God wants to use what you think is insignificant in your life. He can use that to make a big difference. I know you're like, yeah, but my past in my relation, I've never been. I just, I just, I'll be lucky if I even make it to the pearly gates at this point. God's going, no, 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 no. See, the reality is, is I want to use you today. I want to use everything you've been through. You got more in you than you think you got in you. Just give me what you think is insignificant. God uses what's insignificant. Verses three through six, the story continues. And she goes and she gets all these empty vessels and she's filling her house with them. And she does what Elisha tells her to do and she begins pouring out of that little jar of oil and she fills up the jars and all these great things are taking place. And in verse six, it says that whenever the jars were full, what happened? The oil, what stopped? It stopped uh, flowing. There was no more oil. Here's why. I've learned this. God will not waste his blessing. That's why some of us are begging God to put more on our plate. And he's going, you can't even handle what's on it right now. When you can make, when you can handle that, and when you can be obedient with that, and you can steward that, then we'll talk about more. But until then, I can't. This is the same thing that you tell your kids and I tell my kids. You can't get dessert until you've cleaned your plate. Or at least eaten your broccoli. Or whatever it is, right? Why? Because you can't handle that. What makes you think you're going to handle ice cream? Yeah. You, you, you see what I'm saying? There's a responsibility that comes with the blessing of God. What if what we are currently experiencing isn't all there have. It's just all, all God has. It's just what we can handle. It's just what you can currently have the room for. God will not waste his blessing on the floor. I, I do believe this. I do believe that what we believe God, the prayers we pray are indicative of the what we actually think God can do. Wow, that's good. That is good. Think about that. The prayers we pray are indicative of what we actually think God can do. God, just get me through the day. Is that really all He can do? That's good. Is just get me through the next 12 hours. God, if you could. And there are seasons where that is a stretch of faith for some people. I've been in those seasons where, where the darkness just seems to like just come over me. But they shouldn't be a lifetime. If I'm just praying, God, just get me to the next paycheck all the time, then the problem isn't, right, the financial problem. The problem is, is how I'm handling what's on my plate. Yeah, that's good. God, just get me through. God, just get me through. God, just make my wife desire me one more time today. God, just help me. God, just let my kids listen to me. God, just, and if that's always our prayer, hear me then maybe the problem is that we aren't even believing that God can do more than just right now. He's the God of the universe, folks. He's the God that created everything that we get to experience today. He's the God that gave you breath this morning. He's the God that gave you life. He's the God that sent his son to die and pay a debt that you and I couldn't pay because he wants to be in relationship with you. He's bigger than a just get me through. He's bigger than a just survive. He's bigger than a just, oh God, just if you could. No, he's bigger than that. He's the God of the universe. He's put more in you and more in me. And we can increase our capacity for more of God. We can increase our capacity for more, for more of God. In fact, John chapter 3 verse 30 says this. I must decrease or there must be less of me and more of you. And sometimes we're going, God, I want more of you. And God's going, I would give you more of me, but you're full of you. And sometimes the problem isn't God going, I'm going to punish you. Oh, I'm a mean God. No, sometimes it's God going, you have become your own God. And until you realize that you're not and make room for me, I can't fill you anymore. Yeah, but he's God. He can do whatever he wants. Absolutely, but he will not force himself. It's a decision. Some of us, and I'm going to be real bold for a minute. Some of us, you're so full of yourself that you can't have a smidgen of God left in your life. And we want to know, well, God, why won't you bless me? Maybe it's not that he's not blessing you. It's that, that you've blessed you all that you can, and now you're realizing your limits. Great, That's good. I know I've been to that place. That's in my life. And and, and hear me, I want you to be proud of what you've accomplished in this life. I think you should be. I'm proud of what God's allowed me to do in this life, but here's what I realize, and I tell myself this all the time. I'm not smart enough, good-looking enough, knowledgeable enough. I ain't talented enough to do anything that God's allowed me to do and given me any kind of platform that he's given me and anything that I see that's coming down the road. It's only by the grace of God that I have any kind of ability to make any kind of room to do more for God, and that just means that I have to continually be less of me. God, this ain't me. God, speak through me. I pray every Sunday morning. This is my prayer before I walk on every service on every stage this is my prayer God wear me like a coat today do not let any word I say be my words let it be your words and let it impact people because I can't do a thing that's my prayer every Sunday and here's the reality I pray at every opportunity I get to, to pour in the leaders to pastor pastors to preach at other churches why? it's a reminder this ain't about you Bubba this ain't you it's all God less of me more of you I can create more capacity by going All right, God you got more for me what do I need to change in my time what do I need to change with my talents what do I need to how do I need to be generous with my treasure my time my talent my treasure how do I need to like refine like reconfigure my calendar what do I need to do to so that I can reach more people and do more things and and become more than you've called me to be and then the fourth lesson is found in verse 7 I love the end and I'm going to end on this one that Elisha goes hey it's great filled the the oil stop no big deal now here's what i want you to do go and sell all the oil pay the debt that you owe right and you and your sons can live on the rest here's what he says here's here's a lesson i'm learning i gotta learn to live with it i gotta learn to live with it what do, what do you mean by that let me ask you a, a hard question if god never gave you anything else in his hand would you be okay with just you and him. Yeah, but I want, I want that new tundra. I'm with you. Trust me. But if God never gave it to me, would I be all right? Would I be okay, just me and God? Because here's what I'm learning. Here's, here's what I know. God, or everything minus God is nothing. But nothing plus God is everything. Let me say that again. I can have everything in this life that everybody wants. White picket fence, big house, nice car, brand new tundra, big boat. I like tundras. Big boat. I can have everything that I want. Watch this. And if I don't have God, I actually have nothing. That's good. That's good. Because all I have is a bunch of things that are going to fade one day. But I have no eternal relationship that gives me any hope in life and there's only one thing that'll give me hope. It's not a bottle, it's not a brand, it's not, it's not a thing, it's not anything that I'm gonna go home to. It's nothing like that, it is only God. God is the only one that's given me purpose. He's the only one that's paid a debt that I could not pay. He's the only one that loves me in the midst of my sin. He's the only one that sent his son to die so that I could have eternal life with him starting today. He is the only one that has given me life and given me purpose, and there's nothing else in this life that can do that. So I can have everything else, but if I don't have him, I have nothing but I could also at the same time have nothing in this life that everybody thinks you should have and as long as I have him, I have everything because I have hope and I have promise and I have him and I have eternal life. A filled life is not necessarily a fulfilled life. A fulfilled life. I'm running around. I'm doing a lot. I'm super busy. Don't mean a thing if I don't have him man, I gotta have him. And the same God that is everything to me is the same God that says, I wanna give exceedingly abundantly beyond all that you could think or imagine. So as big as you think God is, he's bigger. As much as you think God can do with your kids, he wants to do more. As much as you think God can do in your marriage, he wants to do more. As much as you think God can do in your job, he wants to do more. As much as you think, I I don't know about y'all, I get fired up thinking about how big God actually is. The fact that he's bigger than I think he is, and I got a big imagination. And the reality is God's going, that ain't nothing, man. I'm the one that created it all. I've got you and some of you in the room today are at a place to where you go, I don't need anything from him. I just need a relationship from him. Because today I've heard about a God that loves me in the midst of my life. that will never leave me nor forsake me and he walks with me through it all no matter where I've been. And I need some of you to understand, I don't care where you came from this weekend. I really couldn't care less about what you've done but if you're at a place where you don't have a relationship with Jesus I beg you to reconsider that and go man I've got nothing if I don't have him Jack Daniels won't give me a relationship for eternity a medicine bottle won't give me that man that relationship that person I'm sleeping with right now won't give me that you know that porn site that I went to last night won't give me that there's only one person that looks at you and goes, I don't care about any of that. In fact, let's forget about that. It's just me and you. And I love you in the midst of that. And I love you so much that I will not leave you in the midst of that. Let's start a relationship and let's walk out of it starting today. Good. Day by day, step by step. And I'd love to pray with you because I believe there's people that are going to walk through the, through the campuses today that just need that. So if you would, just bow your head, close your eyes. You're going to hear some people move around. All they're doing is getting ready to serve you on your way out today to create an excellent experience. But if you're ready in this moment to give your life to Jesus, here's what the Bible says If I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that He is Lord, then I shall be saved. Here's what that means that my sins will be paid, and a relationship with God for eternity begins. And it's not the prayer that saves you, it's the belief, and it's the confession. So if you're ready to give your life to Jesus today, I just beg you to pray this prayer with me right in your seat, right where you are. Dear Jesus, I give you my life. I ask that you forgive my past, forgive my present, and redeem my future. I want to be more with you than I've ever been. I can't do this without you anymore. And I don't want to. Forgive me for who I've been. Walk with me as I get better. I pray that your perfect sacrifice replaces my sinful life and pays a debt that I cannot pay to have a relationship with God. Thank you, God, for making room for a person like me and loving me no matter what. As everyone continues to pray, if you're in the room and you pray that prayer and you gave your life to Jesus today, here's what I'd love to do. I'd just love to know who you are and if you would, just raise your hand and go right here. I pray for salvation. I ask for forgiveness and start a new relationship with God today through Jesus, starting in this moment from this day forward. I've given him all that I have. All we want to do is walk this out with you. We don't believe in doing life alone. Amen. Here's what I want to do. I just want to pray with everybody.